In this episode, we're inviting back to the podcast Matilda Elliman, who you might remember from our discussions on democratic education in season one. Well, she has a very special project that she's been working on with a team of passionate and dedicated people, including her husband and children. So let's find out more. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. Now, before I start, I'd actually like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded. And so for me here on the Sunshine Coast, that is the Gubby Gubby or the Cabby Cabby people. I would like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and those who are emerging and also pay my respects to the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this episode. We honour the stories and the songlines and that traditional knowledge. My name is Vicky Oliver and I am one half of our dynamic duo that founded Wildlings. I share this amazing journey with my business, mothering, homeschooling and beautiful friend Nikki Farrell, who you may not have heard from in a few weeks. And that's because together with our amazing marketing content creation Wonder Woman Kerry, they've been busy achieving one of our goals for 2021 and that was to hit over 10,000 followers on Instagram. Now, It's not the number that counts per se. It's more that there's a lot of functionality that comes for a business with this milestone because that means we can now link you to our content in real time. It's really exciting because it's our aim here to find as many ways as possible to provide value to you when you choose to spend your precious time hanging out with us on our digital playground, especially if you're not able to play with us in our wild playgrounds. So if you haven't done so already, why don't you come over for the ride on Instagram and if you've got any moments of inspiration during this episode or any of our past episodes, make sure you share that with us so that we can share that with the world and ultimately get more children outdoors reaping the benefits of nature. In today's podcast, we welcome back Matilda Elliman, who you may remember from episode 17 and season one, where we talked about democratic education and play cycles. Matilda is a teacher at Pine Community School in Brisbane and we have invited her back because she has some exciting news to share with us about a new democratic high school called Humanitas High School. We chat all about reframing the way we look at hard work, the hard work that comes from making sure that our visions are coming to life, about community consultation and what we would like to see for the teenagers in our society. So let's dive in. Hi, Matilda. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Vicky. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, you're so welcome because it's a pretty exciting time for you guys. We've spoken to you before on the podcast and the last time we did, we were talking about democratic schools and more specifically the model of Pine Community School where you're a teacher. That's right. So just for a bit of context, can you briefly tell us about Pine and what sets it apart from other schools? Certainly. Pine is a democratic community school that is in Arana Hills in Brisbane. Um, It's been running for 38 years. So we're a very established school. We're a small school. We've only got uh, up to 100 kids is our maximum because we really like to have multi-age community connections and any more than that gets a bit tricky to manage. Yeah. 
We are a democratic school, as I mentioned, so we're really committed to that, those values of students having input into what they're learning about, into the rules of the school, into uh, the relationships, uh, all sorts of things. So power sharing between adults and students is a really big part of it and also parents being a really big part of it. So, so that all the people who are involved in the, in the experience will have a voice in the experience. I always love listening to you talk about your school. Like it just gives me goosebumps. And I'm really excited for you guys because it seems like 2020 has been a super productive year for you because you're bringing a new school to life. So Humanitas School High School is set to open open its doors this year. So tell us all about it. Oh, it's been an absolute whirlwind. It's been absolutely fabulous. So we started not very many years ago, actually, with like any, anything good, we started with community consultation and said, look, you know, we're teachers, we'd like to offer a democratic community high school for those parents and families who want it, not just parents and families who've already gone to democratic schools, but just generally in Brisbane, that would be a really fantastic option for anyone who's interested in their kids having more input, more say, more joy in their day. Um, so we started with talking to people, talk, we talked to parents, we talked to students and we talked to teachers about what a school could look like if you started from the ground up and made it anything you wanted it to be. So that was a really fantastic process. We took a few months to do that. Um, and at the end of that, we had a lot of interesting observations, a lot of interesting data and a lot of passion and fuel to make it happen for lots of different reasons and lots of different families. Um, so from there, we've been working to make this happen for Brisbane. When I say we, I mean we have a team, a fabulous team, yeah. uh, mostly teachers and parents who are behind the concept, although I have to say it's definitely a family project for me. Um, <laughs> it was sort of started because my three young sons were talking about high school and they sort of, they love, they love their community democratic school and they'd talk about high schools and I'd say, oh, this, you know, this is wonderful high school and they do really great work and they'd be like, yeah, mum, but like, is it democratic? Like, will we get to have stay <laughs> and things? And I'm like, well, in a different kind of way, guys. And then they're like, oh, do we have to wear a uniform? And will they make us like wear a uniform? I'm like, well. <laughs> so they've very much been a part of the project from the word go. And a lot of other students and young people have come on board and are informing what we do. So it's a really, it's a really nice project. It's really great it's to have the voices. powerful. Yeah, it's powerful to have that you know, that vision of your children in mind because that's that's how Wildlings came about. It's like yeah. what do we want for our own children and to be able to talk to them about that and to hear what it is that's very important Absolutely. to them obviously uh, helps to create that vision of what you're going to create, which is really exciting. Now, I love the fact that when you talk about the process of getting Humanitas up, up and running that it's very positive and we've talked to a lot of educational leaders such as yourself on this journey to create an independent school. But the feedback we get is overwhelmingly like it's very time-consuming and can be often a very frustrating process. Does this speak to your experience? Um, it, it does in some ways. Uh, it is time-consuming, absolutely time-consuming. We have to yeah. be very productive with our use of time and, and make sure that it doesn't overtake um, all of all of the other wonderful things that are in my life and in our lives, you know, that our children mm. and their play and their learning is coming first and that, you know, my work at Pine is really important to me and that that's also really prioritised. Um, so time is, it is time consuming, but I try and also see it as a joyful experience because it is, 
I think the layering we have is that it is bringing something that we think will benefit lots of people. And so that behind it, that purpose behind it always sort of sustains us through those hard bits. Um, and also the, some of the things that are frustrating, bumping your head up, and you would know this too, obviously, having to deal with lots of bureaucracy and paperwork around setting up, you know, in fantastic nature programs and doing the forest school stuff and, and, you know, all of the bureaucracy that can be really draining. I try and approach it with a really strong sense of this is the key. This is the gateway that allows me to offer this experience to the world and um, and to sort of look at it as a chance to, to talk about why we're doing what we're doing and prove it that it is valuable and that it is viable and it is have have a strong history and, and behind it so um so take those opportunities to have conversations with people even even if it's bureaucrats and and they may not have the same values as you to have a, a conversation about what why you want to do what you want to do and I think along the way those conversations are actually really valuable and a really nice part of the journey I think so um, and, and very validating yeah. for us very validating for you and other schools to go oh well actually I know why we're doing this and I know what, what's great about it and I know how it can benefit society as a whole. Um, I think with wildlings it's a, a nice that you link to that what your children wanted but I think that I see a similarity in that it's what, something for your families but then there's this additional layer of this would be great for society, this would be great for so many yes. children and families. Yes. And those deep purposes bring us back to getting through the hard bits. <laughs> Well, that's exactly right. And I think that, you know, initially it was like, what do we want our kids to have? And that's what we created. And then we realised very quickly that, you know, our children are part of society. And if we want, we want this for all the other children out there, because then we can see all the, the pod, like, and it's not just like there's positive benefits mm. to what we do. Like it's true, deep, long lasting change that we can make through the models of education and play and all of the things that we believe in. You know, like I think that's, I can hear in your voice, it's the same with us, is that we just know how life-changing what we do can be and how it can just be such a catalyst for amazing change in all sorts of Absolutely. Ways. And you are, um, hats off to you guys, you are, are doing that. And your organisation has, like us, a strong, deep value base that sustains in, in mm. the tough times. And I think that's important for other schools when you talk about other educators and other startups take that time to really get your foundation right, to really know who you are, to know your values. Because when you hit problems, you hit walls, those are the things that get you through the idea of, well, actually, this is what I really value. I really value joy. I really value engagement. I really yeah. value people in interacting with the world at large, not just in a bubble of one sort of institution or school, but having a lot of community connections. Yeah. So those things and then you start to see those things everywhere. You start to see other people talking about those values and you think, yes, that's what we believe too. Um, yeah. um, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So on that point, when you set the vision for Humanitas, what kind of outcomes are you aiming for? Like what sort of things do you think are important for your students to have at least had experience in at the completion of, your, of their time there? Um, well, it's definitely something that we've come up with together, but we certainly have a, we have a graduate profile, which is a really nice little document that um, we sort of started with that said, you know, if you've gone through this education, what do you want to have at the end of it? What do you want to be like at the end of your time at Humanitas? And so we talked about that 
with students and young people and with our teachers and directors. And so that some of the values are communicators. We want them to be great communicators, really comfortable communicating with adults, with their peers, with a wide range of people across the community. So that sort of feeds into that problem-solving, action-taking model where, oh, I've got something that I need to learn. I'm going to see how I can get that information. I can get those networks. I can get those mentors and those. So that communication skills, decision-making skills Mm. are really important. And I believe that young people, having worked so long in democratic education and having a democratic family, I believe that young people get better at decisions when we let them make them, (laughs) when we help them to practice those decisions. (laughs) Like you can't actually become a really good decision maker unless you're making lots of decisions. Um, so at the end of their time, we want them to be to be good decision makers that they can make balanced decisions, they can weigh things up and they can justify those choices and make plans that benefit them. Um, we want them to be ethical leaders. We want them to make really conscious ethical decisions and being able to, I'm looking at our graduate profile because it's a lovely document um, that someone oh, wrote for yeah. us to put, put all the information together. We want them to be skillful. We want them to be able to be literate, to be numerate, to use technology, to use resources to know how to engage with their community and the world. We want them to be informed, so have a great deal of knowledge about the community, their environment, global connections, Um, and we want them to be happy. And really that comes comes key to everything. It's maybe last and first. Um, We want them to be happy, joyful people who are connected to to their minds, to their bodies. They know themselves really well. Um, they care for other people, they care for relationships, but they also really care for themselves. And I think, again, that comes down to practising those skills. There's, you know, we can't say everyone's going to be joyous all the time, but joy is actually something quite deep. It's something that happens through being yeah. motivated, being purposeful and having lots of opportunities to be connected and to practise um, the skills you need for a really big, exciting, joyous life. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I think that's actually a really powerful exercise for parents to do is to say what is it that I want my child or my young adult Mm. to be at the end of you know this period of time that they're with me what and and I've actually um said this in one of the courses that I run is that like what is it that you actually want for your child and you know they'd be surprised that you know getting A's on tests or whatever is probably not at the top of Absolutely. Your and it's, I mean, they're real, those are really great skills as well. If that's what is really core to you, yeah. it's totally fine. But uh, I use it a lot in my parenting life to, to remind me <laughs> to go get through the small stuff because the big stuff is actually, I do want my kids to be you know, able to talk about their feelings. I really want them to be able to make yeah. decisions so that when sometimes that's really on a micro level kind of annoying. <laughs> or hard I have to remind myself our big picture vision for our family is that we are these kind connected kind of people so it is really good for parents to think about what they want long I mean I think education wise schools do it and they really do it a lot and try and think about the big picture of what they want their graduates to be but sometimes that gets lost in the details lost along the way Um, whereas we want to keep that so many moving parts to schools and um yeah sometimes they move in a trajectory that not isn't necessarily where they've got the students in yeah um for Absolutely. lots of different reasons there's lots of layers to schools too you know and it's trying to trying to strip yes. it back to what is core about education is learning and engagement that's right and relationships and then looking at yeah looking at those schools that are doing it differently and seeing that it's you know, successful and mm-hmm. that it works and then being able to, you know, piggyback off those models and, and try that and experiment with that in other yeah. ways. 
Um, look, we, if we could do this kind of work in a mainstream school, we probably would because we love some of the resources and accessibility that comes with that. Yeah. But this kind of work is not being offered at the moment, so we're deciding to offer it in a different yeah. way because we think families will really value yeah. and young people will really value. My experience um, teaching in high schools definitely made me see how much more could be done. Um, these young people are a very wonderful, engaged, passionate young kids who are sitting politely bored quite a lot of the time waiting yeah. for something interesting to happen. So I have a, then a question because um, we often see alternative models of education for primary age school children. Why do you think that we don't have as many non-traditional high schools for teenagers? Um, I think, it, like you say, it's very hard setting up. You have a lot yeah. more hoops to jump. You have to be able to justify a lot more and we're really um, quite skilled and, and at that now through this process. I think there's a parental fear that, oh, you know, you can be play-based and you can be project-based and you can follow your interests and your passions up to a point, but then you've got to knuckle down and really get ready for um, getting into university or TAFE or whatever it is. You've got to focus ready to um, ready for the real world. There's always this thing about the real world. You've got to get ready for the real world. And I'm like, well, actually, this is the real world right now. Their lives, however they look, are real right now as teenagers and young people and as so they don't have to pre- be preparing for the future. They need to be living in the present and learning in the present and deeply engaged in the present. They're not future citizens. They are citizens right now worthy of being respected, worthy of being asked for their opinion and listened to for the, when, when, when they're asked for their opinion and have it make a difference. Mm. Um, so I think that it's hard is why there's not a lot of high schools. Maybe too, and this is probably an interesting point, piggybacking off Pine's experience, and I know a lot, I'm very connected around Australia with ADEC and lots of democratic schools. Yeah. A lot of the kids who've gone through that really rich um, democratic community primary school are really not needing or they may be wanting, but they may not be, ne- they're not really needing to continue that in high school. They're really grounded in who they are and in themselves. And they'd kind of like to try a more mainstream experience. They'd like to try a big school with a uniform and lots of homework they want to see what it's like and they do really well in those environments traditionally. A vast array of different kids go on and go, oh, because they can see that it's not the whole picture of life, it's just one little part of it and they're usually really good communicators so they're able to ask for help when they need it and they have good relationships with adults which really helps them in high schools. So because Mm. of that there hasn't been a huge push from many primary schools around Australia to start making democratic and community and progressive high schools. Um, but this is this school is not set up just for kids who've already had it. It's for all kids. And lots of other kids would benefit from being exposed to more choices, more decisions, more engagement, more community connections when they haven't had those experiences before. So that's one of the reasons, I think, that there's less of them. But there are still some. Um, we're very... Yeah, and there's more growing all the time. We're really proud and excited in Queensland that in Kindle Village School in Townsville is in their process of going up to year 10 as well. Um, So we're really happy to have more friends in Queensland. There's quite a few down south, of course, but, yeah, it's really nice to have a few more in Queensland. Oh, that's awesome. And then, yeah, with your experience, and I think it's important to have, like, that joyful lens you were talking about so that more people are encouraged to maybe take Mm. that path because people say to Nikki and I all the time, you should start a school. 
and me in, me in particular I'm like <laughs> I'm very happy with what You're we're doing, doing right now work. you um, really are yeah and more probably because I'm quite like absolutely happy with the choices I've made for my own girls but maybe perhaps when they're finished school I might be more interested in helping other people to set up those obviously there's a need for it there's some other things especially on well not especially on Central Coast I was going to say that but we actually do have quite yeah. a lot of alternatives here but people are still looking for that you know um, I think too that we're living in a really great time for people to to reach out for new mm. information to look at different and because of the internet and global connections they can see models more easily and go oh I see how that works and I feel less fear-based because I can see it working in this state in this country um, we have a really lovely connection with the AOR Tawiti Unlimited Discovery School in Christchurch New Zealand we went to visit them a couple of times and I love their school they're such wonderful people and they do really wonderful work they are a state school they are funded by the government but it's a bit different in New Zealand you can have special character schools and all sorts of exciting things so but then I can you know people who are wondering what it might look like can I go I can say well go have a look at their website and look at what they're offering yeah Um, so there's lots more opportunities and and like things like your podcast and lots of information about unschooling and and community schooling and world schooling so there's a lot more information available now that's reassuring to parents when they're taking a slightly different path yeah, and we do need that social proof. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's very hard to make a massive choices in your life without knowing that someone else has done it out there and they're doing so it successfully. True. And so. I think your podcast does a really good job mm. of that because you're highlighting all sorts of different um, <laughs> opportunities. But I also think, too, we need to, as parents, <laughs> go back to parents for a second, stress less that our decision has to be final you know with schooling with unschooling homeschooling taking going to a mainstream school going to an alternative school nothing is final give things a go see how they go and be prepared to reassess when things aren't going your way communicate with with your teachers communicate with your family your parents your kids you know, we don't have to lock it in stone. I think a lot of parents get a bit mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'm choosing this school and this pathway and that's it for the next 12 years. I just follow the path. And actually life isn't like that. You can get off the path and take a different <sighs> path anytime you like. Yeah. I 100% always talk to people about this. Like no decision you ever makes final. There's actually, I wish I'd remember it. My brain is not taking on too much new information at the moment, but there is an actual syndrome that somebody posted. I saw um a good friend of mine posted the other day about how when we make these choices and they, we feel like we have to yes. stick with them, even though they may not be positive choices for our lives or they may not be working for us, but we just feel this need to just like, oh, this is the decision I made and I have mm-hmm. to stick with it instead of, you know, making a different choice. Because like you were saying before about decision-making, I think a lot of adults just don't know how to make decisions or how to change their decisions and I mean knowing when to quit something and going well this is good but it's not exactly where I want to be I'd like to try something different that's a really big thing to make a really big decision to make we sort of Mm. tend to as humans as you say stick out well we made the decision I've got to justify I did all this work to make this decision I've got to plow in and just you know and it comes from a very old school mindset of I'll do this for the next 50 years it may not be perfect for me but here I am in this I'm running in my channel yeah or I put all this work into it and no. I'm not going to give at it the up the same now. time you know just... you don't you don't want to just give stuff up straight away you want to give stuff a little bit of a go no but I think we need to give ourselves permission to feel all the feelings and to experience things and not necessarily get stuck in going well I have to be on this path I'm choosing this path or this school for my child forever yeah just see how things work out and take it 
as long as there's a lot of communication going on in your families and in, yeah. with, in with your schools, it's, it tends to work out better if you don't lock it in for life. Exactly. Communication is key. I think um, there's a lot of learning about communication that we need to do. Even myself yeah. sometimes. It's a, so, it's yeah. a journey. It's a long-term journey. Yeah. I mean, it's a really <laughs> it's a big journey. part, I think, of, of what schools do. I just think sometimes, we, like for humanities, it's a huge part of what we do because we want our kids to have those skills to be good communicators and we want them to keep practising mm. those skills of problem-solving, solution-based, action-taking skills. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, just quickly, um, do you want to talk to us a little bit about how you named the school? Uh, yes, I do, because I love the name of the school. And it's really hard when you're naming a school. <laughs> um, it's a huge, Words are really powerful and, and they're a huge part of what we do. And I think once we had the name of Humanitas, Humanitas is, uh, very, was started pretty much by my partner and me and a few other people have come along on that journey, some wonderful teachers that we just love and people who have joined us. And parents, but during the naming process, it was really just my partner and me who'd done these forums, and we're like, "Well, if we go for it, he's a high school teacher. He's a wonderful, incredible high school teacher, just incredibly democratic, incredibly passion based. Works with teenagers so so well. Has worked for sort of seventeen odd years in education, Queensland high school in leadership positions, in teaching positions, and then has also spent the last four or five years in democratic education working at Pine. So he's really great. Um, shout out to Patrick. Woo. Um, yeah, so, okay, anyway, we were sitting and going, what are we going to do? Um, kindness was what we wanted at the core of our school, kindness. And so we were sort of searching for words that meant kindness and we came across humanitas, which is Latin for kindness, but it's so much more than just kindness. It's such a wonderful word. They used it in, you know, the ancient texts to mean something more than just kindness, but in being connected to humanity, being connected to your own hum- humanity, to universal humanity, and leading a well-educated life. So leading a life that was, and I, this was one I really particularly loved, both pleasurable and productive was part of it so that your life is good and it's full of good things, but you're also helping the community, you're helping other people. And someone, so, so it's a quality that you describe, so right? So someone with great humanities is someone who cares about other humans and cares about themselves and is really well well educated well read about what pe- what people's lives are like and has quite great quite a great deal of empathy compassion benevolence all these lovely qualities um, so it was a great word in one word to encapsulate a lot of the values that we wanted, some of which are really old school values going back to what education is about and learning is about rather than, than schooling, you know, like being a deeply well-educated person. What does that mean for you? Does that mean that you have, what kind of values do you have? What kind of skills do you have when you're an educated person? And that for us is being kind, being connected, being able to find out information for yourself for, about the world and about the things that you're interested in. So it was a really like light bulb moment. We had lists over here of words and we had the kids coming up with words. But then when we found that, we were like, no, yes, this is the word. Um, but it's really hard yeah, because lots of people, like, everybody says it differently. I say humanitas, but other yeah. people say it all sorts of different ways. And that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. But that's perfect. And I mean, like just me looking at the word without knowing it, I did feel that like humanity yeah. The, the first part of what yeah. you were describing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's, that, that's my, was my so initial So it's got a feeling. really deep deepness, but it's a light, lightness mm. too. You can sort of go, yep, they're about humanity and kindness and deep learning. You know, it's always good to throw a bit of Latin out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, I've just got one final question for you today, and that is what 
would you like people to know or remember about teenagers? Because I think sometimes they get a, they always get a bad rap in society and a whole lot of judgment. So what is it about teenagers that we should, A, remember, because a lot of the time it's just that we've simply forgotten, or that people don't realise? Um, oh, so much I could say. What num- I guess number one would be that teenagers are people and <laughs> teenagers are people too. Yeah. They are not a different subspecies. They are actually us. They're humans. They're very vulnerable and fragile humans who deserve our love and respect to a really high degree, but that they're also really motivated, really passionate about their interests. Um, in my work teaching in high school, I've taught in some high school, lots of, I've taught in lots of different places, but I just loved that teenagers want to share what they're into. And in this modern world, it's really cool. Like you'd have a kid who'd be like, oh, miss, I really want to tell you, like I'm super into this like little German punk band that just like lives in this village in Germany and there's like two <laughs> people who are like their fans, but it's like I'm one of them and I live in Brisbane. Let's listen to their music. and Or they're really into their gaming or they're really into their skateboarding. They're really passionate people about what they're interested in and it doesn't take much to ask them what they're into and have them respond. And not all of them. There are lots of people who have got lots of why or not really sure about interests or um, a bit of bit of everything kind of folks. And that's, you know, those people are really great at humanities as well. But I think my main thing I, I'd really like people to remember is that teenagers are people. They're not a different subspecies. They have the same needs, the same human needs. Um, we often think that they want to be really independent and doing their own thing, which is true to an extent, but they also really want to be connected to us, to their parents, to their families, to their communities. They want to be heard and sometimes even though it gets hard to hear, some of that communication gets a little bit messy, we really need to be making lots of effort to connect to them and to communicate with them and hear them. Yeah, and give them grace because they're you know their brains are doing that. Yeah, it's a huge time since they were infants, and um, people a don't know that, and b forget that how hard it is to be a teenager, and they yeah they just and I think absolutely, and I think on a parenting level we get a bit when it's our own teenagers we get a little bit stressed a little Mm -hmm. bit because we want them to come out the other side as good humans. There can be a lot of like you say, we forget stuff or we maybe remember it too much, <laughs> our own teenage years. Yeah. So we just need to take take it slow, take it easy and have a really strong connection and communication and be able to say, oh, sorry, that didn't work out. Let's try it again. <laughs> yeah, and I also think that there's not a lot of community connected areas for teens and the rest of society to be in totally. together. So, I, you know, where we find that, that's where those those relationships are really strengthened and they feel like they're part of something. It's like all humanity want to feel mm. a part of something. They want to know that people care about them. That's a huge part of what we do. Like our, our curriculum, which we haven't talked about very much, is, you know, we have these three sections. We've got like project-based where everybody has an individual project where they're following through their interests in, in that area. But we have a really strong component that is a community project where they're working with their peers to help somebody in the community, to do something in the community, to help others, to solve a problem that they see. It could be an environmental thing. It could be a social thing. It could be health-based, all sorts of different things. But it's part of that is planning for them to be connected to others outside of just the bubble of school because they really need to feel useful and viable in the community. They really need to be acknowledged. And we have to, as adults, facilitate that and support that. We need to scaffold those relationships and make them work. And feel welcome. <laughs> yes, it's it's a huge part of what we do, and it's really it's been a really joyous experience for me talking to others about humanities because I've had so many people outside of 
the education world or outside of progressive community kind of mm. models going, oh, well, if you ever need anyone who's super into like accounting or surfing or I would love to be a mentor. I would love to work with young people who are interested in this area, but I'm not a teacher. And I'm like, that's exactly what we need, actually. We need lots of people who are like, I'm I'm willing to spend my time with young people who are interested in in the things that I'm interested in or the expertise that I have. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, it gives me goosebumps, actually. And um, a couple of young people that have worked with us before, they're such joyful. Like, it's such a joy to, to share what you love with someone who wants to know more about it because they seem to really yeah. love it too. Like there's so much shared experience and joy and I, like it's it's the most powerful teaching Absolutely. tool we have is experience. So I love that you guys are incorporating that into your curriculum. So we didn't talk about that. So you said the project-based and the community yeah. were two parts of your, your curriculum. We sort of have a three-part curriculum, which is, yeah, community project, everyone has yeah. that, and that's with groups because we want people to have experience working with other people who are interested. Um, they're individual projects, which will be deep projects that go into their different areas and will draw lots of things, of lots of parts of the curriculum in. So if you're passionate about avian raptors you might um, have English and science and social outcomes drawn into what you're you're learning about and how you want to present that and lots of choices lots of really interesting choices Uh, even the students that we're starting to see I'm like I'm so excited for all of these amazing interesting diverse really diverse projects Um, so it's going to be really exciting and then the third part is obviously core curriculum but presented in a way that makes sense to you so that we ensure that they're covering exactly what they need to cover, that they are going to get the same experiences that they're going to get, um, the same strategies and content experiences, but just in a really personalised and targeted way that makes sense to them. Oh, it's so exciting. I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. So you said um, you're taking you're taking yes, enrolments now and also if I'm allowed to plug um the yeah. 20th of February which is a Saturday 10 a.m to 11 30 a.m are we having a, a session at our building our which we've got a, a lovely lovely new space um so we're having an open morning when people can come talk to us chat there'll be a short talk there'll be lots of young people and parents talking and asking lots of questions and you can have a look around our space so that's welcome for anyone who wants to come then there's a number of other sessions through through the year they're all on our website but that's the first one so yeah I don't know when this will go out but if there's one in February then there's one in May so check the website which is humanitashighschool.org.au we have a really fabulous space. We always wanted to be central because we wanted to be a, a hub. It's a really core part of what we do yes. is being a hub to explore the city, to go and find green spaces and museums and design workshops and scientists and all sorts of different things where the students can connect to those communities that they need and have really fun. But the school yeah. is not everything. It's not the everything and the be-all of every experience that they're going out and about. So we really wanted to be central and we have a fabulous space that we love um, that's in in the valley, so it's quite close to buses and trains. But it's and it's also really great because it's only five minutes walk to the new Victoria Park green space. So we'll be able to use that beautiful being in the city and have green space at the same time. So I'm pretty pretty happy with that. Yeah, I can imagine, and I think that can be actually one of the biggest challenges for people when they're looking at starting a school is oh, finding it's space. In, it's insanely difficult. <laughs> It's very very yeah, hard, and yeah. we went through many many different options and many many different spaces, but. I'm really surprised too. I think we always set a vision and we always talked about our vision and said, you know, we really want to be central so that lots of people come from all over Brisbane can get to us and we can get other places too. We really want to be close to lots of things. 
but we still want it to be really homely, um, really nice. Like one of the things, can I can I, can I tell, tell you a little story from the community consultation that was actually broke from my heart actually a little bit, but we were talking to teenagers who are incredibly practical people and they were like from all different schools, really, really expensive private schools, state schools, unschooling, homeschooling, all sorts of different teenagers. And generally they had a lot to say and a lot of interesting stuff, but uh, this was an experience that was core to many of them was all they wanted was a nice, clean, functioning toilet. No graffiti, lockable door, nice, clean toilet. And I was just actually, and a nice place to eat their lunch on a table with a chair, like not in the gutter next to a bin, not fighting for the one table for 700 kids. Like they just wanted a nice place to eat their lunch and a nice toilet. And I was like, what does this say about us as a society when we can't provide that for our young people, but we would absolutely in a workplace make sure that any of our employees would have a clean working toilet and a nice place to eat their lunch. Yeah. Um, so that was really a big part of it for us when we we're looking at buildings going, no, no, the young people would like a nice toilet and a nice, <laughs> nice place to eat their lunch. So we're really happy to have found that. Well, that's important, right, because if those things are ticked off, then we can really focus on what's important. Absolutely, and I think it's about valuing. I think when you make a nice space for people and you say, I value you, I'm, I'm making sure that your basic, very basic needs are met. And I was sort of, this was in 20, like maybe 2019, I'm like, in 2019 can we not ensure that our young people have basic yeah. needs like a working toilet that, you know, locks and flushes and that they feel safe using? These are very basic things we should be able as a society to provide. <laughs> Um, so I was quite, I was quite sad, but I was also quite, um, interested, interested in the very, very practical things that they were like, this was, this was really big for lots of people, especially eating their lunch. They're like so many schools where they didn't have somewhere nice to eat their lunch. So they didn't feel very comfortable in the, in those situations. So hopefully we'll be able to at least tick the basics and a bit beyond with our school. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I looked at the photos and I thought, oh, wow, that, the architecture even, I was like, wow, what a beautiful place to be welcomed into every day. We feel, we feel very blessed and we're very grateful yeah. to the owners for um, for leasing it to us and, and sharing their space with us. They're very nice people oh, too. Much gratitude then. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. It has been so lovely to hear about all the, the ways in which things are, are changing for you guys up there and it's very exciting. Oh, thank you, Vicky. I'm I feel like we just have a little chat and I have no idea what we what we talk about, but it's really <laughs> always really nice to chat to chat to you. And I hope that anyone who's listening um gets any information out of it, even if it's not particularly about our school, but about yeah. how to be democratic or communicate or anything. I don't know. Feel free to email yeah. me anytime, anyone. I love to chat on email about lots of things. So, Brilliant. All right, well, we'll make sure we've got all your details in our show notes yeah. so our listeners can go there to get all the, the scoop. We're so grateful to have educational leaders like Matilda in our communities who are really inspiring the next generation to thrive and find joy in their education, which is so important. We'll absolutely link all the details so that you can get in contact with either Humanitas High School or Matilda if you have any questions about democratic schooling or any of the other things that we discussed today. And if you're in the greater Brisbane area and you're looking for an alternative high school, then I would definitely recommend getting to one of their open days. They're taking enrolments at this stage for years seven and eight with a move to add an additional grade every year moving forward until they reach year 12. This week at Wildlings, we are celebrating the stocking of our 100th book in our little online shop. 
And we've got favourite titles in there for both our littles, but also our beloved non-fiction titles in areas of parenting, education, nature, and also social inclusion, which is really important to us. When we walk into the tiny little nook in Nikki's house that has all of our shop stock, I'm literally like a child in a candy shop. The things we have in there are all tried and tested. It's things that we use in our home or in our programs. And uh, we love that we can share those with you. Uh, If you want to peruse our offerings, you can head to www.wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much for lending us a fraction of your day or night to invade your ear space because we truly love doing this journey with you. So until next time, stay wild. Thank you.